Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Taking notes today, which you should, uh, because it helps you get into heaven, as they say. Church jokes, you know, I love good church jokes. I'm like a sucker for a good church joke. Uh, but the title of my talk tonight is People of Peace. People of Peace. Uh, if you didn't listen to this morning's message, I really want to encourage you, please go on the podcast and, and, and listen to Pastor Ben's message from this morning, uh, Winning in the Wine Press. Uh, it was absolutely amazing, and please, please go listen to it. It was it was, as it always is, Pastor Ben preaches so amazing. So go on the podcast this week and listen to that. But the title of my talk tonight is People of Peace. We're going to go into Psalms 120. We're going to start in verse 5. It says, Woe to me that I sojourn. And I'm going to mess this up big time. Message. Let's go with that. That I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. Get that verse. It says, Too long... Have I had my dwelling, my place of living, among those who hate peace? I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Too long have I found my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Do you know that anxiety affects over 40 million adults in America, age 18 or over? That is 18.1% of adults from age 18 and above in America. Anxiety affects 25% of children between the ages 13 and 18. Depression is, it has a higher diagnosis rate than HIV AIDS or congenitive heart disease. There is an epidemic and a battle on our peace. I believe in this generation, one of the main things that we lack is this revelation of what peace actually is. And we lack it. Because I don't think that those statistics are that much different in the church. 40 million Americans would be diagnosed with medical anxiety. Shalom in the Hebrew, which is peace, by definition means completeness soundness, welfare, security. It's more than a feeling. If we were to go even deeper in the definition of speech, uh, uh, peace, it would be a spiritual harmony brought to individuals with restoration with God. Spiritual harmony in an individual when they find restoration with God. That's what the definition of shalom, peace, would be. A harmony with you and God, creator and created. There's a spiritual oneness. When we are restored to this harmony because it's broken in our nature, when we find this restoration to the harmony, we gain access to who's in control. See, peace is bigger than a feeling. It's bigger than, and even what Pastor Ben was talking about this morning, peace is not just when God answers your prayer and you feel peace and relief. That's relief. And that's worldly peace. But, but, but heavenly peace is actually gaining perspective in the middle of your problem and understanding who's in control. Peace is a perspective. See, when you are in the middle of your battle, you can still gain peace because when you are at harmony with God, you can gain God's perspective in the middle of the battle. And he is looking at a bird's eye view while we are looking up. 
Peace is gaining God's perspective in the middle of our problems. Peace is gaining God's perspective in the middle of our struggle. Peace is gaining God's perspective in the middle of our questions. Peace is the perspective of God. And that comes from when we are at har- in harmony with him. Also, we understand that we get peace when we give our lives to God and we are in harmony with God because we have an ultimate destination that's not here on earth. There's peace understanding where you're headed. There's peace understanding that your home is in heaven. So not only do you gain a perspective that God is in control, but you also gain the perspective that my home is not here on earth. My home is an eternal destination called heaven. So I will live for my eternal destination, not for my temporary place. But why is it that you and I and all of us, because we can all admit that we battle for peace. We fight for it. We fight for financial peace. We fight in the holidays for family peace. Come on, am I the only one who fights for family peace? All right, I'm the only one who has a jacked up family. It's all good, whatever. Y'all lying in church. We all some way, shape, or form are fighting for our peace. Why is it that this is the thing that we battle the most? Because I actually believe that our human nature and our human propensity is the absolute opposite and antithesis of peace. That our human desires, our human nature, and the way that we live, which is trying to chase feelings, things that relieve us, things that, 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 that can take away the pain, things that can take away the hurt, that's actually the antithesis of what peace Peace is, and so we actually get stuck in this continual battle because we live more by our nature rather than by our perspective, which God gives us. You don't believe me, Romans chapter 7, verse 15, Paul says, The things that I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. Is that not a description of our life? The things that I hate, I end up doing. The things that I, the, the, you know, driving on the freeway, when I say I'm not going to get road, weight, road rage, when someone cuts me off, I do it. The things I don't want to do, I do. But the things that I desire and the person I want to become, I don't do that. Isn't that a struggle and a battle of what peace looks like? We want to be who God's called us to be. We want to do what God's called us to do. We want to be the husband that God's called us to be, the wife, the, 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 the son, the daughter, the grandparent. We want to be everything that God has called us to be. And then when we fall short, we're looking back on it saying, the things I want to be, I'm not. And the things I don't want to be, I am. Paul gives us this beautiful picture of what is battling our peace. See, when we try to find our peace on our own, we always will find ourselves in the same, the same predicament as Romans chapter 7 is describing. As long as we look for peace on our own strength and ability, we will always come to the same conclusion. The things that I don't want to do, I do. The things that I want to do, I don't do. That's the same conclusion we will always get to as long as we do it on our own strength. Peace has to be found in harmony with God. It has to be. See, in Psalms... 120, the writer is writing to the children of Israel. And he's saying, you are making your home among people who hate you, is what he's saying. He's actually talking about people groups and, 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 and races and religions that hated the children of Israel. Yet, they still made their home among the people who hated them. To make yourself at home is to make yourself comfortable. 
I don't make myself at home at, at every place, but when I feel at home, I'll take my shoes off, I'll sit on the, te- sit on the couch, put my feet up. I'm comfortable, right? See, this is the picture of us and our human nature that we're battling. Some of us have made our home and have become comfortable with our human nature and and the things that are stealing our peace. This represents our enemy. Our enemy is out to steal your peace, yet some of us, we are comfortable in the fact that he's doing that. We are comfortable in the areas we lack peace. We are comfortable in the areas that we, don't fall, that we don't measure up to God's standard and we are okay with that we lack peace. We say we don't want to lack peace. We say we want to get rid of our anxiety. We say we want to get rid of these things, yet we don't do anything to battle the things that are stealing our peace. We are making home with them. Whether that's our finances, whether that's our family, whether that's our, our business, whether that's our, our diagnosis, whether that's our, our, you know, our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our friendships, whatever it may be, we are making our home in the areas that steal our peace rather than fighting against them. This is what the writer is saying. You are being comfortable in the, with the very people that are stealing your peace. You are comfortable with the very thing that is battling for the peace that God promised you as a children of God. The very thing that God promised you, you are comfortable in. And he's saying, I am now getting uncomfortable with the fact that I don't have peace. I think we need a generation and we need a church that is uncomfortable with the fact that we are living in the peace of God. We are living with this perspective that God is in control. We need to begin to get uncomfortable with the fact that we lack peace. We need to get uncomfortable with it. It needs to, it needs to rub us the wrong way. See, the children of Israel, their biggest problem was comfortability. Read the book of Judges. It's so interesting to me. They would get comfortable. They would start serving other gods and doing other things. And then they would get in bondage and captivity and and wonder why they were in bondage and captivity. And they would cry out to God and God would send them a judge to deliver them. And they would get delivered and they would praise God and they would worship God. And then again, they would get comfortable and, and, and they're worshiping other gods and doing other things. And they would get back in captivity. And this is long cycle of them getting comfortable in things that were battling their peace. We need to begin to get uncomfortable in the things that are stealing our peace. We need to begin to get uncomfortable in the very things that are challenging us. But oftentimes we can't get uncomfortable if we cannot identify. You can never get uncomfortable with something that you don't identify. You can never address something that you don't identify. Oftentimes the reason why we lack peace is because as Christians we are passive aggressive with our peace. We aren't, aggra- we aren't confrontational with it. We don't address it. We don't, we don't find it. We don't identify it. We just say, man, I lack peace. I'm, you know, God, you're not taking care of this. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. God, why aren't you doing this? And we begin to put everything on God and we become passive aggressive with our peace rather than saying, God, this is the area that is challenging my peace. Help me have victory in that. But how do we know what areas we lack peace in? How do we know? How do we know... What areas that we need to begin to battle in and make war in those areas? Because by the end of tonight, I want us to begin to become uncomfortable in those areas and not just uncomfortable, begin to battle and fight for our peace in the areas that the enemy is trying to steal it in. 
There's different areas in each and every one of our lives that the enemy is fighting as hard as he can to remove the peace of God from your life in those areas. What are those areas and how can we identify them? Psalms 122 verse 6, it says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who, uh, who love you. Peace within your walls and security within your towers. There's two words that were connected in that verse. Two words that were connected in those verses. Peace and security. Peace and security. So what does this mean? Any area that we are insecure or lack security is any area that we lack peace. The areas that we are most insecure about, which means the areas that we worry the most about, try to change, try to, try to morph to, to fit maybe somebody else's, uh, what somebody else likes or what we think it gives us security. Those are the areas that we try to control the most because we want to change the most. And those are the areas that we lack the most peace. Wherever we lack security, we will always lack peace. So if we're trying to identify where to get uncomfortable, we need to begin to start with the areas that we feel the most insecure. So maybe it is that relationship with a family member that it it just, insecurity is defined by this. Let me define what security is, not just in our English word or our English vernacular, but what is security in the Hebrew is to be quiet and at ease. To be quiet and at ease. And I think it's speaking to our soul. Because insecurity is more than just something that, how we look or on the outside, but security goes down to the soul. So what are the areas that we lack quietness and ease in our soul? What are the, area, what are the topics of conversation that, that come up that maybe stir our soul a little bit and get us defensive and frustrated and hurt? Those untouchable areas of conversation. Those things that you don't want people to address. God can address every area but this area because that's a, that's a sore subject. To be quiet and to be at ease. That's what security is. Security has nothing to do with finances, has nothing to do with our bank account, has nothing to do with our 401k or our retirement plan. It has everything to do with your soul being at quiet, being quiet and at ease with God. Security has nothing to do with what people think about you or what people say about you. Security is being quiet and at ease and okay with what God thinks about you and what God says about you. But wherever we lack security, we will always lack peace. We find peace in the perspective of God. And we put, and in that it puts to ease the worries of our soul and quiets the voice of the enemy. See, when you gain peace and you gain the perspective of God, what happens is that voice that's telling you, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You gain the perspective of God and understand that he's the one who created you. So if he created you, he created you good enough. It begins to quiet the voice of inadequacy. Or that voice that says, you'll never be anything because your parents weren't anything and they always did this and this is what you will do and this is just who you are. This is what you do. When you gain the perspective of God that God can break any generational curse no matter what has happened in the past, then it quiets and puts at ease the voice of the enemy in our lives. But too many of us bank more on the voice of the enemy than putting it to rest in our soul. And we live based off what that voice says rather than what God sees. See, God sees you in a way that no one else has because he's the one who, by his thumbprint, created you. And he knows the voice of the enemy that's coming your way saying you're a failure. 
Everything you've tried has been a fail. Everything you've done is just, it's not going to work. And the voice of the enemy is crying out to you, but God says you are a victor, not a failure. Though it may have seemingly fallen apart, God is still, I am still working with you. I am in anything the enemy meant for evil. I can turn around for good. So your failure becomes my message that I work through you. And it begins to quiet the voice of the enemy in our soul. And security is the thing that begins to protect you. Because it's the voice of God speaking to those areas that are seemingly creating this insecurity because the voice of the enemy will do anything he will he, he will do anything to keep you from the John 10:10 10, 10 life life and life to the full he will say anything he will do anything he will put people in your way to say things about you criticize you bring you down but God is saying if you can gain my perspective of peace I can quiet the very voice that is keeping and stealing it from you our peace will never be perfect until we get to heaven but that doesn't mean we should still fight for it here on earth. See, this is where we mess it up. I think in the church, we mess it up because we say we give our heart to God, so now I should have peace all the time. Well, we still live in our broken human soul and our human condition. We still live in a broken earth and a broken world, so our peace will never be perfect until we get to heaven. But that doesn't mean we should stop fighting for it. Because God does promise that we can have peace here on earth. God does promise that he can quiet the the voice of the enemy in our soul here on earth. We can have peace here. It seems a bit impossible, though, in this day and age to find peace. Whether it's through social media, our phones, the news networks, everything is screaming insecurity, failure, brokenness, it, 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 it screams the lack of peace. It screams depression. It screams anxiety. So how in this day and age do you and I, normal human beings, find peace on earth? How do we find it? How do we walk in it? How do we live in it? And those who know me, you're going to be really impressed with this next part of my sermon. I actually put together a PowerPoint. So for you type A personalities, you're welcome. It's amazing. I worked really hard on it. If it's not good, you know what? Whatever. I tried. I'm secure. I don't care. Honestly, Psalms 34, it says this, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So we are going to look through three practical ways within the Godhead, which is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that we can have peace here on earth. Three ways, three practical ways, and they all start with P. Isn't that amazing? Number one, we need to practice peace. We need to practice peace. And this is the Father God. And if we can put this up, look at that. Oh, amazing. It's a little circular graph. Found the template online in Google. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't even know this. You can find the template in Google and just enter your own information. It was pretty awesome. Anyways, practice peace. And this is a representation of God the Father. See, why is it a representation of God the Father? See, peace is found in the persons of God. And the first one is the Father, God the Father. He's the one who laid out the promises and practices for us. God the Father is the one who gave us the Ten Commandments. He gave us the law. He gave us the standard in which to live by. And see, our practice uh, shows us that we cannot do it without God. But it's, it's funny to me that oftentimes when we don't live up to the standard of God, we wonder why we lack the peace of God. Some of y'all didn't get that. When your life does not match God's standard, you cannot receive God's peace. So, what does that mean? That means you cannot live any way that you want 
and still receive the peace of God. That, so sometimes it, it, it baffles me and I was this way that I would live like however I wanted during the week and wonder why I was bound in insecurity, anxiety, fear, and depression. Because the practices of God are protecting you and create peace in your life. Father God is the one who put the practices out there. Father God is the one who set the standard. That's why I love Romans chapter 7, because that's exactly what it looks like when we don't live up to the standard of God. It says the things I don't want to do, I do, and the things I want to do, I don't do. That's us lacking peace in the fact that we don't have practices with God. But the thing I love about it is this. Why do we need the practices of God first? Because nowadays we're not used to coming into church and people saying your life should look different. We're used to seeing here grace of God and, and you know, God has set you free. It's not about religion, it's relationship. And all of that is so true. But there would be no relationship without us recognizing that our practices don't match up. Because when you, rac- when you recognize, okay, my standard of living is not up to God's standard, that's when you understand, okay, I need relationship with him. Because in order to have relationship, you have to recognize that we are not on God's level and we are not in control and that we cannot do it without him. So our practices and our lack thereof actually point us to our point number two, which is participation. So when we have practice and and we realize, man, the way I'm living, the reason I'm lacking peace is because the way I'm living is not lining up to God's standard. And now I know I need to participate in a relationship With God, practice deals with your actions. Participation deals with your heart. It deals with your heart. It's a relationship with Jesus. See, in Romans 10, it says, those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, they shall be saved. So what does participation deal with? What type of peace? Eternal peace. It deals with your eternal peace. It shows you when you begin, when you confess your, you know, with your mouth and believe in your heart and you begin a relationship with Jesus and you participate in his sacrifice, your eternal peace is set in stone. You're now going to heaven, right? That's what that means. And, and, and participating isn't just praying a prayer, but guess what it is? Ooh. It's living the way Jesus lived, which is sacrificial. It's sacrificing your dreams. It's sacrificing the things that you desire. It's sacrificing the, the, those, those temptations. It's sacrificing those addictions. It's sacrificing those problems. It's sacrificing everything on the altar of the cross and saying, God, I have control over nothing. You have control over everything. And there is participation and relationship with God. And in that moment, his blood comes and washes you clean and makes you new. And every mispractice that we had, God makes it clean and makes it new and says, here's a fresh start. Let's begin again. Let's participate in relationship and let's go to heaven together. So our eternal peace is locked up in our participation with Jesus. And this is where we stop in the church today. Woo! I'm about to preach y'all. We stop here and wonder why we lack peace on earth. We understand that we cannot live life without God and our practices will never meet his standards without God. So we participate with relationship and every single Sunday we raise our hand and we give our heart to him and and that's a good thing. And some of us, we've been in church for a long time and we gave our heart 30 years ago and we gave our heart to God. But all those 30 years, we still lacked peace because the participation with the son gives you eternal peace, but it unlocks a gift. For you 
to access earthly peace. But I believe that we miss here on earth this third point. We live life thinking that we have the peace of God sewed up. And we are so struggling and we get angry at God that we're still anxious and we're still depressed and we're still worried because we live in a broken place and we live in a broken condition and our eternal peace is sewed up. But there is earthly peace that is there to be had, but it comes through pursuing. Without practice, there's no participation. Without the lack of practice, there would be no need for participation. But then now that we find that we participate, participation unlocks a door called pursuit, which is the Holy Spirit. Father lays out the standard. The son gives us the ability to meet that standard through sacrifice and relationship. And the Holy Spirit now gives us the ability to find peace here on earth. Galatians chapter five is the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. This is what I love about it. Practice deals with your actions. Pursuit deals with your heart. Or, uh, sorry, participation deals with your heart. Pursuit deals in the spirit. Some of us, we lack peace because we're not doing business in the spirit. We're not pursuing the Holy Spirit. We're not praying to the Holy Spirit. We're not asking God to have his nature become our nature. See, some of us, we get stuck in the fact that we're going to heaven, but we don't, we're going to heaven looking like hell. Woo! Some of y'all crazy. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus really die just for us to go to heaven? I don't think so. I think that's a huge part of it. But Jesus died for us to make an impact on earth. He died so your transformation can bring more people to the same destination, which is heaven. But without transformation, guess who, what you're not bringing anybody to the same destination. There's a verse in the Bible that says that when you get before God, he will, you can place before him the things you have on earth, wood, hay, straw will burn up like fire, but only the things of gold will, will last through the fire. And it says, you'll make it into heaven but barely. So what it's saying is what you lived your life for on earth, the things that you valued on earth, when you get to heaven, guess what? God's not gonna value those things like the house, the car, the, 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 the good looks on Instagram or, 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 or the status or the relationships that you made, the connections that you made, the people that you bumped elbows with, the country clubs that you were a part of, all of those things are great. But guess what? That doesn't mean anything in heaven. The only thing that matters to God is did your transformation bring people to the same destination? And so when he looks at you, the things that aren't gonna burn up in the fire is gonna be the things of the the souls that were transformed by your very life. So we wanna have peace in the church. You know what that requires? Pursuit. Pursuit of the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your nature and begins to transform the things in your soul. Guess what is produced? The fruits, which is the actions. That's why it's a circle. Because then that's when your actions begin to look like what God intended them to look like. Because it's not your actions, but it's the Holy Spirit being produced through you through pursuit. So some of us stop at number two and we're participating in our relationship with God. 
by the fact that we gave him our heart, but we stop pursuing it the moment we start participating in it. Or maybe we pursued it for 10 years and then we got tired and we stopped. So maybe we have love, we have joy, we have self-control, but we don't have patience. We don't have peace. We don't have gentleness. We don't have long-suffering. We are okay with going grocery shopping with the fruits of the Spirit. I'll explain. I was with my nephew. We would go out to eat. He would not eat anything but french fries and donuts. It didn't give him nutrients, but it's the only thing he would eat. No, I don't want that. Even if it tastes good, if you didn't know it, no, I'm good. Some of us are picky eaters with the fruits of the spirit. We go grocery shopping. Man, I I, I could use some self-control, but loving people who hurt me, no, I'm okay. Patience with people, mm, I I ain't got time for patience. I'm successful. Successful people aren't patient. They get it done. God's the most successful person on earth and he waited 2,000 years for his son. He waited. He waited for this moment for you actually. When Jesus died on the cross, he is patient. He is kind. He is gentle. He is loving. And he has peace. Why? Because it's a fruit that's produced through the spirit of God. If you're lacking peace in an area, if you're lacking security in an area, can we give it to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit should be a convictor. He should be able to pinpoint the areas that we lack security. He should be able to pinpoint the areas that we lack peace because we haven't been trusting him in those areas. I don't want to be a person who lives my life and looks the same 20 years from now. Our goal in this American society is to live life till we're 65, retire, cash in the 401k and live life and not have to talk to anyone. And we're thinking, when I turn 65, I don't have to be nice because I'm not working anymore. Which I get it, all right? But I think our desire should be as Christians is that when we're 65, are we closer to God than we were when we were 25? Are we more like God in our life? Do we believe for God for more? Do Do we trust God more? Is our faith stronger through the years or are we the same place as we were? Pursuit produces action and practice. Practice creates participation. Participation creates pursuit. It's a ongoing circle of peace. But in order to operate in the peace of God, you have to do all three. Number one, maybe you've been participating in your relationship with God, but your practices haven't matched up in a long time. Maybe you know about God, but you're living contrary to what God says. Do you know what it says in the Bible? That it is much worse to know and to not live it than to not live it and not know. So some of us, the reason you have anxiety actually has nothing to do with God and everything to do with your lifestyle. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be religious. I've been there. I remember being in this place where I was 
living life contrary to God's standard and mad at God that I had anxiety and depression in my life. And I was struggling with insecurity. But I wasn't living to the standard I knew he had called me to live. I wasn't participating in the relationship I knew he called me to have. I wasn't pursuing the spirit that he gave me access to on the cross. And I was mad at him. Young people, our life cannot be contrary to God's standard and we still get his promises. I'm speaking to young people because I deal with young people. I love you. But we have a generation that we feel entitled to God's promises, but we don't feel entitled to God's practices. We want God's promises of peace. We want God's promises of prosperity. We want God's promises of all these beautiful things, but we aren't willing to sacrifice our practice for God's practice. We aren't willing to allow God to change some things in the way that we live, in the way that we act, and we live the same way as everyone else around us, and we wonder why we aren't having different results. I stepped on the scale this weekend, guys, and I saw the most numbers I've seen ever. And I thought to myself, why have I not lost weight? Oh, wait, I haven't worked out since high school. Some of us, that's our relationship with God. Right? God, why am I lacking this? God, why, do, why, why haven't I received peace? Why haven't I received the, 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 the promises you've given me? And then we need to take a step back and look, are my, is my life matching up to what God asked me to live? And understand, you can't do that on your own. But it requires you to participate, then pursue, and then the practices will come. So maybe you know God and your practices don't match up and you just need to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to identify some areas that it's time to change some practices. Maybe you haven't even started to participate with him and you recognize, man, my my practices are wrong, but it's because I never realized they were wrong until now. And now that I have a revelation that my standard is not the way that God has required of me, I'm gonna actually participate in a relationship with him. Or maybe you've done the first two steps but you're just stuck and because you stopped pursuing. Maybe your life isn't bad. Maybe you're not out sinning, going crazy because I think sometimes you go to church and we have like these crazy extremes, right? We have like people who are like, come on, we're preaching to those who are broken and sitting. Yeah. And that's good. We need people who are broken and addicted and, 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 and God can set you free. And then we have the people who are very religious and have been in church, but we never really talk about the middle ground. You're, it's good. You know, you're pretty, you're a pretty nice person. You're pretty generous. You go to church pretty much every week. You take notes, you read your Bible, but did God die for good? See, I want to speak to you tonight as well. I want to challenge our church in this fast. Can we go to a deeper level of pursuit of the Holy Spirit? That's staff, that's leaders, that's volunteers, that's every single person in this room. Can we go to a deeper level of pursuit in the Holy Spirit? Can we pursue peace like never before? Can we pursue peace not only for us, but for our family? Can we pursue peace for those who, 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 who are far away from God? Can we stand to our feet right now? The Holy Spirit is in this place. But can we be those who pursue peace this evening? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.